This is Adam Lippi, writer, editor, publisher of RegrettableSinceria.com. This is my interview with Anne Louise Bardak, the screenwriter of Backtrack, of which I just reviewed the director's cut on my site. Backtrack was an incredibly difficult production for all involved. It sat on the shelf for two years, and the cut that was released in the theater, briefly, was cut by about 15 or 20 minutes, and the only way to see the director's cut is by finding an old VHS of it. Now, Anne Louise is actually a journalist who writes for the New York Times, Newsweek, Vanity Fair, The Washington Post, etc., and so she talks about working with Dennis Hopper, who was notoriously difficult and just recently sober, and how that affected all his all of his behavior, and him disagreeing with uh, everyone on set, and making the movie during the writer's strike, and all sorts of other things. Uh, the sound quality is not terrific. It was a cell phone to cell phone call. It's never the best in those situations, but you can hear everything she says. It runs about 15 minutes, so please enjoy. Did you write? Did you, were you the rewriter or the original writer? The original writer was Rachel Mann, mm-hmm. and Rachel Mann uh, wrote a script. And somebody, I think, at one of the studio levels, bought it. And I was brought on when Dennis Hopper was hired as the director. Dennis and Steve Ruther hired me. I'm trying to think of the name of the company. I think it was Regency. I'm not sure. Well, Vestron is the one that put up Vestron. the money. Vestron. Right. Vestron. That's it. That's right. Steve and Vestron. Very, very sadly, both Dennis and Steve died last year within a week of each other. Mm-hmm. So Dennis had gotten the original script and didn't like it. And I met with the two of them. They hired me to rewrite it really pretty extensively because Dennis had very particular ideas what he wanted to do. So particular, he had to write in his house in Venice. He wanted me to write there so he could look over my shoulder. It's not exactly <laughs> conducive to writing. He knew what he wanted, okay? And what happened is, is I wrote a script and kind of made it much more of a thriller. That's what I kind of brought to the, the party. Oh, did it start as a comedy? Is that why? I, you know, it was a very amorphous, strange script. It had some interesting things, as I recall it. But, you know, Dennis changed his mind. This was sort of to be his comeback movie. He got Jodie Foster involved. And this was going to be sort of a comeback. She hadn't worked in a while either. I'm a, I came out of crime, a reporter, and I came out of crime reporting. I was then working at Vanity Fair, which I was at for 20, 10 years. And, you know, I was a... And they wanted somebody to do more of a kind of a gritty thriller type thing. You know, crime and this kind of Dennis was very clear he wanted locations that were very important to him, which were in New Mexico. And Dennis, Steve, and I went on a trip, and Dennis showed us his New Mexico. And we went up to Taos, and we went to the Chimayo place. We went to George O'Keefe's house. And his former house in Taos, which is the Maple Dodge house that Dennis owned at one point. And so then it became a thriller that had to be on these locations. <laughs> so all rewriting. I, the thing he liked the most that I did <laughs> was I renamed his character Milo. And that just gave, he loved that. And the other thing that Dennis loved was he brought in a lot of original artists. Dennis was a great visual artist. 
Now, is the fact that, that Jodie Foster's character's name is Anne, and it also has a very similar name to yours, is that on purpose, or is that a coincidence? I think, you know, maybe, who knows, you know? I mean, yeah, possibility there. So there's, and my, and people, I'm known as Annie to everybody, but my real name is Anne Louise. Right. Anne Louise. Yeah, and his name was Milo. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you that this relationship I had with Dennis or the relationship Dennis had with Steve Ruther or, or frankly, with anyone else on the set was completely harmonious. It was a very difficult... Well, here's the next thing that comes up. The next thing that came up is the Writers Guild strike of 1988, one of the biggest, most important slugfests in the history of the Writers Guild, which is saying something. And here this shoot was dead on set to go. Right. Well, I certainly couldn't write during a Writers Guild strike because I was a Writers Guild writer. So the movie... Take, they decide to shoot, which is very tricky to shoot during a, a major strike. And at that time, the writers built was extremely, most, probably the most powerful union in terms of its commitment to striking. And it was a very, I think, a three, four month strike, if I recall. I could be wrong. And, you know, you always have a writer around your production. So. You know, I was on the picket line with the rest of the Writers Guild. He did not want to have anything to do with the original writer. You know, he had gone in such a different direction from the original writer. And what happened, and this is not really a secret, is that he hired his friend Alex Cox to do a polish during, you know, the production, which is a fairly serious no-no for the Writers Guild point of view. And they got in trouble. You said you turned it more into a thriller. Was it always that sort of absurdist twist that she falls in love with him anyway, or was there a lot more progression? I made it more gritty. I made it more of a thriller. I'm a, I came out of crime reporting in New York. Now at Newsweek, I've been a, you know, I've written, you know, I've been a reporter for just about everybody. So it came, it reflected more of that. But De Dennis, what was crucial to Dennis for the visuals, and that was having New Mexico and all that art. He brought in Jenny Holzer. So he would say, here's this artist I want us to work with. So suddenly he'd say, here's Jenny Holzer. Annie, stick her in the script. <laughs> Make sure her work is in the script. And then suddenly we'd have Jenny Holzer artwork. So it was a very strange, it wasn't an organic writing experience. Here's our thriller, what's the MacGuffin? It was like, I'm Dennis Hopper. I'm in love with Santa Fe. We have to put it there. And by the way, we need the following artist. And we need Ed Boucher. We need... You know, Laddie Dill, great. <laughs> and that's what we would do is I would work with Dennis at the house. He made me write at the house, his house in Venice, which was a pretty amazing thing. And with the Frank Geary chairs and everything was a work of art. And then he'd say, okay, it's lunch. Let's go out and look at some art. <laughs> and we'd go to these amazing, you'd go over to visit Ed Boucher. We'd go over and visit Laddie Dill. So it was a really interesting experience. But working with Dennis was no, you know, for no one. And by the time, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I will, by the time the shoot was over, I am told, of course I wasn't on it, I was, you know, with the Writers Guild, that uh, Dennis wasn't speaking to it. They weren't speaking, the crew wasn't, they were talking to him and he wasn't speaking to them, you know, including the star. So, well, I mean, not all of them, but, you know, there were major problems with uh, him achieving his goal with uh, his cast. Now, have you ever seen either cut that's available or not, really? I did see one at the time, you know, and um, I, I, and I, it's just been a while back. 
And at that point, after the long writer's guilt strike, I had come out of journalism, and I just decided, you know, this is so crazy, Hollywood. I'm just, And I went back to work at Vanity Fair full-time rather than, you know, doing journalism and some movies. There's a really weird coincidence in the movie in the sense that, um, you know, Jodie Foster made Sansa Lambs in 91, and there's a scene in this movie shot several years earlier where she's carrying around a lamb and running away with it. And um, what scene is that? In, in Backtrack, she, there's a scene near the end where she's carrying a lamb and running away with it. Uh-huh. And she was in Sansa Lambs describing that very thing maybe two years later whenever she shot that. And it almost works like a parody of a scene that she would shoot later. And I have no idea where the lamb stuff comes in because it's totally random. Um, it's the lamb. I'm trying. You know, basically, I forget. You know, that could just easily be a dentist. A dentist. That's very dentist to say. Oh my God, there's a lamb. Pick it up and run. You know, <laughs> like the same way we were in town saying, "You see this house? Mabel Dodge lives here. Annie, write a scene in the house." <laughs> That's the way it would work with dentists. You know, we'll go out here. He says, Andy, this is where George O'Keefe Lee lived, and this is who her lover was, and this is who got the air. Hey, I put a scene here. <laughs> it, it, well, you, conversations with Dennis did not proceed in an organic fashion. You didn't say, well, here's our character, here's the motivation, this is what the family, this is what's happened, and here's the, here's our, where we are with our plot. He would just say, I love this look, put a scene there. <laughs> and, I mean... He was a visual artist. He wasn't really a narrative artist. That's what you, people have to understand. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, then, a, there's a lot of art in it. What's never clear is whether he thinks that the art that Jodie Foster's character is doing is absolutely pretentious and insanely ridiculous. Which is most of it, as I recall, without looking at this in, you know, 20 years, is, <laughs> is uh, Danny Holter's work. Right, it's just like stuff on LEDs, and at one point Dennis Hopper... Yeah, that's called, Jenny Holzer. Yeah. That's the original work of Jenny Holzer, and Dennis was one of the first people to get behind Jenny Holzer. There's a scene with a mob boss where he, with Vincent Price's character, and he looks yeah. at a flower and he says, Absum, and I assume that meant, was Latin for absent, but I don't know. Did you have any recollection I'd of that? I'd have to look. If I'd have, you know, again, it's too far away. And like I said, a shoot with Dennis was always very contentious. Steve Ruther, who was a very special person, I remember at one point him saying to me, look, we know Dennis is very difficult. And don't think for a minute, if he completely, if the wheels come off the car, he says, we have a backup plan. You know, in other words, the producers and the production company, if he got two out there, they had another director, and they'd be nice. And at some point they must have told him, reined him in. But he was a brilliant guy, don't get me wrong. But, you know, Hollywood is Hollywood, and they want a certain conventional film, and they want this and that, and, and they want to make money. <laughs> and, there are some very good things in it that I actually like. There's a scene yeah. near, near, uh, sort of midway through where he's trying to find a way to seduce his kidnap victim. That's really funny. Yeah. No, this is all this brilliant stuff of Dennis, and uh, I had amazing experiences with Dennis. And then, you know, not some pleasant, you know, ones that were not so pleasant. I mean, you can ask Jodie Foster, but my understanding was they were pretty much not talking about the time of <laughs> I think he improved the people skills later a little better with the directing. I'm trying to think uh, but what it he... was, I think, hard for him. My impression was is that Dennis had new, was newly sober. You know, he had stopped drinking and he had had a pretty serious issue. And this was his first experience 
sort of back in the Hollywood creative play, you know, mm-hmm. in charge of a big budget and everything in which he was operating <laughs> sober. And it might, it might have been a challenge for him to do that. Or I don't know. I can't tell you because I, you know, I, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't an expert on him in later life. Although I had met him when I was very young, when I was a teenager, when he was shooting with a cutting Easy Rider. And I had met him at some amazing house in Bel Air where he was actually cutting it. And he he was completely fried. <laughs> and he didn't call you and say, come write for me on the last movie or something? No, this is, I just happened to be in another complete... I wasn't even a writer then. I oh, I'm kidding. Nobody was writing the last movie. It's pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was I just saying I happened to meet him in this other... But, mm-hmm. And it turned out... And we all thought, he's nuts, and this guy is nuts. Mm-hmm. He didn't sleep. He didn't seem to eat. His eyes were the size of saucers, and he was editing Easy Rider, which was a work of a genius, right? Mm-hmm. And so I had seen him, but I must tell you, <laughs> when he was completely fried, and his, he was a much easier, you know, he was, well, of course, this is when he was a much younger man, too. He was a much easier person than when he... Was, had gone cold turkey and was, you know, <laughs> I don't know what that means exactly. But Do you think uh, that's age or withdrawal? I think what may have happened, and it's totally speculative on my part, I'm not his doctor and I didn't, uh, I, what he did tell me that he, you know, had gone sober. He may have taken on a little too much for somebody who had the kind of colossal alcohol drug background that he famously did. You know, you take out a movie, you're basically running, uh, you're in charge of, you got a 50, 60 people you have to coordinate with. And that may have been a little too much. And I maybe, I, I think he did some other movies where it went smoother. Colors, I think, went a little smoother than that. Yeah, I think that's, you know, and again, he, he hadn't directed that many films. So a lot of it is just a function of, uh, the point is he's very special, very unique, very difficult, a challenge to work with, but in some ways extremely. When I look back at the few films that I've worked with people on, there were two that were made. You know, at least you can look back at Dennis and know that you were working with a real artist. A lot of these people were very difficult, and they had no talent. Well, I was going to ask you about that whole sort of Wicker Man, Native American scene, but it seems apparent that that's the kind of thing he would have made up on the set and just shot. I would tell you... This was generally the M.O. I mean, I have notebooks and all kinds of stuff from that period that are contemporaneous, but it's 20-something years ago he's talking. Mm-hmm. Generally, that's the way it would go. You say, we're going out to Chimayo. You know what they do there? It's like lords here. Okay, Annie, put a scene there. And we would, all right, all right, I'm writing a scene there. So that's the, that's the way Dennis did this. He approached everything as filmed as a visual medium, not a narrative medium, not a genre medium is different than my approach, say, or most writers come out of genre and narrative and character. And then his friends would show up. He'd say, look, I got Bob Dylan. He's an old friend of mine. I'm putting him in a scene. All right, Neil Young is around. Let's put Neil Young in. (laughs) So it was different. Thank you.